I don't think there's as much evidence in today's mediumship as maybe we think. And I'm not measuring today's mediumship on yesterday's mediumship. I'm not one of those. I think we have some excellent mediums uh, on our platforms, in our schools, in our centres today. We really, really do. But there is a difference between evidence and information. So we really have to look at, before we go any further, the definition of evidence so we can agree on what evidence is. And some people, if you like teachers or mediums, will tell you uh, it's, it depends on the information that is offered up. Uh, and when I have this discussion with people, a lot of people will say things like, well, a name is evidence, an anniversary will be evidence. And my suggestion is, no, it's not. It's information. And it depends how it's presented. Uh, if it's presented through the intelligence of the communicating spirit that defines it as evidence. And let me give you an example. Quite often we see in our churches today, and I'm sure I'm guilty of it as well, but quite often in mid-message, in mid-demonstration, the medium will say, oh, by the way, you can understand the name John. And the client will say, yes, that's my brother's name. What fantastic mediumship. What fantastic evidence. But the medium never said, you can understand John, and John is your brother's name. The clients just said that to the medium. So the client has, has, full, has filled in the blank spaces and made the information look like evidence. When in fact, it's what I call a one-worded statement. The medium simply said, you can understand the name John. John being the name, the, 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 the one word. The classical one is, or you can take a very important anniversary in December, in August, in January. That month being the one word. It's just, even if the client can accept it, it's information because it's not filled with the intelligence and the presence of the communicating spirit. So if the medium took a moment to take their awareness back to, let's say granddad has said about August, if the, if the medium has taken their awareness back to granddad to find out why he's speaking about August, so that the medium can fill in the blank spaces, and I'll come to that in a moment. So if we think of these statements, you can take John, you can take August, how many of you, and not one of you will put your hand up to this answer, how many of you can remember how your grandparents talked, spoke to you, and not one of them spoke to you with one word? London, Cancer, dog, George, my grandfather certainly didn't talk like that. And I don't think your grandparents have spoke like that. They're not one dimensional. We are not one dimensional. Our, our, our loved ones, our family members, our friends in the, from the spirit side of life are, are equally not one dimensional. And when they express themselves, they express themselves through their personality, through their presence through their intelligence. And then expression of the intelligence of the communicating spirit is what for me defines evidence. So for me, an ex uh, evidence is an expression of the intelligence of spirit. I hope you can accept that. So for example, instead of the medium saying, you can understand August as an important anniversary, the medium should be taking their awareness back to granddad to find out what anniversary, why is it important? As I work with your grandfather, he tells me August is very important anniversary. And he tells me it's because it's your birthday and it's your 50th birthday. That's why it's important. Now it's, now it's evidence because it's filled with the intelligence of grandfather. And let me come back to everybody. Is everybody comfortable with that? If you are, put your thumb up. If you're not, we can talk. Wonderful. Good evening, Jack. I saw you sneak in there. <laughs> Never seen so many thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> I think what we have to also accept and look at here is um, 
there really are two types of mediums uh, when we talk about demonstrating mediums, uh, spiritual mediums and evidential mediums. Uh, and I'm very happy to say that um, I haven't seen him for a few years, but Gordon Smith, the, the uh, Scottish medium, TV medium, they used to call him the, uh, the psychic barber, I think. Uh, Gordon and I, uh, at one, one point, point, were very good friends and worked uh, like two, three times a year together. Uh, several of us would um, uh, run a course, weekend courses for the SAGB, the Spiritualist Association of Great Britain. And we became great friends. And I remember him writing something in the Psychic News about these two categories of, of mediumship. And, um, and he, he wrote, and I agree with it so much, there are two types of mediums, spiritual mediums, evidential mediums. And he said, I don't care which one you are, just be good at it, just be good. On behalf of spirit, just be good. And I so agree with that. However, I think both the evidential medium has to have a spoonful of spiritual mediumship within it. The spiritual medium has to have a spoonful of evidential mediumship within it, so as to give it its balance. If we look at the evidential medium, uh, somebody who just truly relies on facts, 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 uh, which I fall into that category, not always, not always the best, but it's just how I like my mediumship to be. Then we have to look at different expressions of evidence. And I want you to think about this. And if you have pen and paper, maybe you would like to write it down. I can only think of a few expressions of evidence uh, different ways that it's presented uh, and maybe we can we can go through them and talk about them briefly. Factual evidence where the medium says I have somebody's father with me here he's telling me his name's John he, he um, no let's change that he's telling me his name is uh, Leonard he's somebody's grandfather he died of a heart attack in his bed in Cambridge. I say that because it's easy for me to remember that because that's actually my grandfather. That's my grandfather's evidence. That's very factual. And if it's correct, then it's factual evidence. But we, again, we are not one dimensional and nor are our loved ones. So if a medium just gives factual evidence all the time, it becomes like a shopping list and it becomes lifeless. So there has to be different expressions of, it, of evidence. For example, spiritual evidence and with spiritual evidence there's different ways of looking at spiritual evidence i'm sure you've been in a church where the medium is very much on form and they'll say um i need to come to that lady at the back and um i need to come to that lady at the back i have your mother with me here and you can hear people around the church going i can feel her i can feel the presence of that mother where the presence of mother fills the church. Have you experienced that? You can put your thumb up if you have. Absolutely. That's got to be spiritual evidence. That presence of the mother where everybody or majority of people in the church can feel that presence. But it also can, can spiritual evidence can also come about depending on the terminology that the medium is inspired and that's important inspired to use by the communicator so i'm going to give you two statements here two bits of evidence the first bit i'm going to offer up as factual evidence the second one i'm going to offer up the same evidence but in a spiritual uh, through spiritual evidence if you like so this is a lady from the spirit world um, i was married to john we lived a very good life because John was a bank manager, so he earned good money. And we bought a manor house in a village in Cambridgeshire. And we had four children. It was a very big uh, manor house. It had six bedrooms. And we lived in that house for five years. They were great, great five years. And we had long summers with barbecues and lots of wine. 
And sadly, on the fifth summer, I got breast cancer uh, and died. And when I died, the family fell apart and some of the older children left the manor house and, and uh, they went their own way. Very factual evidence. The same evidence presented spiritually. We never lived in a house. We lived in a home. A home with a big heart for a big family. And we were very lucky with lots of love in this wonderful big home with wonderful warm summers. But sadly, one summer, God called me home. And after I went home, my family really suffered and struggled. Can you see the difference? Put your thumb up if you can. Exactly the same evidence though. Now who dictates which way you should present the evidence, factual or spiritual? The spirit communicator. Now why do we say that? Because the communicator, and we're gonna say granddad for this evening, so I'm using my granddad, I'm employing my granddad. Granddad knows what the message is within the demonstration, within the sitting. He knows what the message is before the, before the demonstration has even started. He knows what he wants to talk to his grandson about. So, and he knows what his grandson needs. Does his grandson need facts and figures? Does he need uh, uh, it, it presenting in a spiritual way? The person in the spirit world will know that. And what the medium has to do is be open to the inspiration of the communicator in how to present the evidence. I hope that makes sense. Let's look at some more different ways of presenting the evidence. Symbolic evidence. Symbolic evidence. Uh, and, I, and I encourage you to look at symbolic evidence. So what we have to think about is the fuel that a medium has uses to do a demonstration your average um, your average professional medium could probably work somewhere in between an hour and a half to two hours and hold a very good standard of mediumship but then they begin to get mentally tired their, their focus goes maybe the the connection to spirit becomes slightly weaker uh, and, and that spiritual energy that fuels the mediumship and the communication begins to become depleted. And they have to go, they have to stop doing the mediumship, go away, I don't know, do something completely different. Watch a film, go and buy a flat pack wardrobe and build it, something completely non-spiritual to replenish that energy for next week when they're doing their next church service. The spirit world know that. The spirit world is a world of intelligence. They know that. So they will use, those of you who, who are of my age will remember secretaries doing what we call shorthand. And, and symbology evidence is, if you like, shorthand. It's giving the maximum amount of evidence in one uh, image, one feeling for the, for the, for the medium, um, using the minimum amount of fuel. So for example, so for example, Many years ago, when I lived in Cambridge, and I first started working publicly doing mediumship, I, I did it for a charity shop. And um, uh, so I used to do it above the shop. And uh, so whatever money was earned through the sittings went, went into the till. It was for, it was uh, what's called now Scope. It used to have a terrible name, the Cam Cambridge Spastic Society, horrific name and they abolished that, that, that terminology, which I'm very happy about. I got a lot of uh, um, experience doing the sittings. They earned a few bob. Everybody was a winner. And one day I was doing a sitting and I could see this lady and I could see clairvoyantly, objectively, outwardly, if you like, above her head, an apple. And I, I had her father from the spirit world. So I'm thinking, why am I seeing this apple? Oh, I know what it is. He must have an orchard. And so I said to her, your father must have had an orchard. No, no, he never had an orchard, no. Uh, was there an apple tree in his garden? 
No, 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 no apple trees. Well, well, did he like apples? Did he like fruit? No, not particularly. I don't know why I'm seeing this apple. Let it go, let it, and I let it go. The next day I had a young lady, she must have been 22, 23, came for a sitting. The same thing, there was an apple. Why am I seeing these bleeding apples? And, I, I, and as I'm giving this lady this sitting, I'm thinking, what does an apple mean to me? And I'm thinking, and I thought of that phrase, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. So I thought, well, then there must be something medically not right. And it's fruit, so it's something to do with the diet. And I said, uh, and I think it was her, her grandmother. And I said, your grandmother's showing me something here that suggests there's something not right with your diet. And she broke down crying and said, I'm anorexic. So I know now, because I've worked it out with spirit, that if I see an apple, that there is something medically not right to do with the diet. Doesn't necessarily mean anorexic, but so for example, and this is fact, and mediumship is about fact. It's not all about love and light. If I see a half empty whiskey bottle tucked in the back of a cupboard, I know there's an alcoholic in the house. Why, why is that? Why is, why is a, a half a drunken uh, bottle of whiskey symbolic to me as an alcoholic? Sadly, because that's what I experienced with my father who, were, who was an alcoholic. My father was an alcoholic. So it has, symbols have to be logic to you. And I would recommend when we're talking about symbolic evidence that please don't say, Oh, that sounds good, what Tim's talking about there. I'll get 500 symbols and that will make me a good medium. Because during a sitting, you'll get a symbol and you'll say to your client, hang on a minute, I need to go through my filing cabinet. And five minutes later, you'll still be going through it. And it'll be very conscious and you'll step away from the spirit world. I would recommend, and I'm not saying you have to do it Tim Abbott's way, but I would recommend if symbology is your thing, that you maybe have a dozen symbols so that when it comes into your mind, when you perceive the energy of that symbol, however you perceive it, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, in whatever way you perceive it, you instantly know what it means because you haven't got hundreds of them to work out what, it, what this individual one means. You know what it means and it hasn't used any energy. It hasn't used any of the fuel that you're using for the craft of mediumship. It's a wonderful way of, of communicating, not my way, which is why I've only got a few. Um, another um, expression of evidence that you may have seen in your churches is emotional evidence. And I'm not talking about when the medium breaks down crying. Forgive me if any of you guys do that. I think that's very poor mediumship. It's where you lose control of the energy. Emotions is an energy. So um, as I'm giving you these different types of evidence, very rarely, and I mean very, very rarely, will you see one of them stand alone. They are, one of them is normally supported by another. And certainly with emotional evidence, that is normally supported with factual evidence. For example, let's say that you've just gone five years ago you went through a very messy divorce uh three years ago you met somebody new in your life they became the love of your life and you've just got married and the medium standing on the platform and he brings your grandfather and he gives you enough evidence to, to, to suggest it is grandfather and then all, all of a sudden the medium becomes filled with the happiness of grandfather with the pride of grandfather for you, the client. And the medium says, do you know your grandfather is so happy for you, so proud of you. And you, the client, like we spoke about earlier with spiritual evidence, where you can feel the presence of somebody's mother in the church. You feel the pride and the happiness of your grandfather as an expression. Uh, and, then, and, then it, and then the medium, if they're good and turns, that's just information. Your, your grandfather is very happy for you. That's nice. Why? Uh, the medium takes his awareness back to granddad. And granddad says, because my granddaughter went through a terrible relationship several years ago, but has just met the, the love of her life 
and he's very happy right now. So there's factual evidence supporting emotional evidence. Emotional evidence can be a wonderful thing. What we have to remember, because as mediums, we are expressing life and life isn't always sunny. It is snowing outside my window right now. I saw, I know we've got Jack Langland here and his gorgeous partner. I know they've got some terrible snow or they did have yesterday in Denmark. Please don't send it our way, Jack. <laughs> um, um, but it's about, we express the truth. So emotions is not always about happy, love and light. You know, you hear, you hear, for example, a lot of mediums fall into the trap when they talk about things like personality. I want to talk about your father's per personality. Oh, he was a funny man. Well, hang on a minute. Hang on. My father died when he was 77. Are you saying from the moment he was born to the moment he died, he was a funny man? There's much more to my father than just he was a funny man or he was a lovely man. Wasn't your grandmother a lovely lady? No, there was times when she was a bleeding cow. There was times when she was in what we call in the, in the Midlands, she had a mard on. She was moaning. You know, we all express different emotions and different uh, uh, um, expressions, you know. So, so to say, oh, I've got your father here. Oh, he was a funny man. That is not evidence at all. Because my my, I remember when my father would, would stand in the British Legion. I, I mentioned earlier he was an alcoholic, cracking jokes to his mates. But I also remember when my father would stand in the street with his fists up, fighting people. Um, uh, you, you know, so there's, there's many sides to all of us. So it's about, it's about expressing, that, that, again, that intelligence of spirit. The last expression of evidence that I want to talk about that I can think of over the years, the ones I've given you so far, the only ones I can think of, I'm very open to anybody who's, who could come back to me and say, have you thought about this type of expression of evidence? But the last type of expression of evidence I want to talk to you about is what I consider the weakest form of evidence, what I call subjective evidence. Now we know that subjective is someone's opinion in the mind. Now, where you see subjective evidence a lot is with mediums. Any of you guys who do a lots of sittings, you may get comfortable within the sitting where you ask your client, do you have any questions? They're not, and they normally, that, that normally comes towards the end of a sitting. Um, and it's normally because the medium's trying to fill a bit of time. Uh, have you, and, and I love it. I love to ask the client, have you got any questions for your loved one in the spirit world? And it's normally advice, you know. Oh, I'm thinking of buying a dog. What do you think? I'm thinking of getting rid of my husband. What do you think? I'm thinking of leaving my job. What do you think, Granddad? You know, normally those types of things. And Granddad will give his opinion. Yes, I do think you should leave that job. You've never liked it there. That's Granddad's opinion. Subjective evidence. The client asks for Granddad's opinion. He's given from the spirit side of life his opinion. Um, subjective evidence. I consider that as the weakest form of evidence, but it's evidence nonetheless. Um, even if the client disagrees with it, because it's granddad's evidence. And that's why I say it's the weakest form of evidence. So we've looked so far at what the definition of what evidence is, or in my opinion, we've looked at different types of evidence. Let's pause and see if there's any questions which there should be loads at this point. At the moment, they all look very, very happy. Bill's, Bill's waving his hand. Bill, so where are you, Bill? You'd have to take you, yourself Bill? off a mute. You'd have to take yourself off a mute, Bill. Yeah, and first go. of all, I'd just wow. like to- There you go. <laughs> can you hear me? I'd like to give a big shout out for Tim's book, Raising the Standards, because <clears throat> it really illuminated my mediumship and it was stuff that I've been taught a long time ago by my wonderful tutor, Ivy Northage. But, you know, as time moves on, you develop your own means and method. But it really brought it back to earth for me and grounded me. And, and thank you, Tim. So I did want I'll to say I'll pay you that. later for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the invoice. Yeah, um, I just want to talk about the factual as opposed to the, the spiritual. 
because uh -huh. when you when you're in a situation where you've got, for instance, uh, a Cockney borough boy or somebody from the East End that doesn't filter their language at all, so you are interceding. You are the editor, if you like, of their language because the words can't necessarily be said in a church or a public forum. Yeah. So therefore, you're interpreting the the factual with with your own flavour of the spiritual, if you like, but trying yeah. not to take away or diminish that communicator's personality. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I'd just like to throw that out to you. Absolutely, so a couple of things there, and it's a very good point. Uh, there are sometimes some things that can't be said. Now, um, I, I'm, I, I'm uh, I, don't, I don't wanna to sound too over egotistical here, I'm very comfortable that I can read spiritual, I can read energy quite well. And I quite often watch mediums. Uh, and if so, if we say the communicator, the medium, the client, not always what the communicator says, does the client relay to the, uh, so does the medium relay to the client? I think that's poor mediumship. However, I agree with Phil. There are some bits of evidence that are offered up whereby the medium has to maybe use different terminology without yeah. changing the, the information, uh, the subject matter or the clarity of the information. So yes. for example, let's say that we had somebody communicate who was racist. Yeah. They're allowed to communicate like anybody else. And the medium may be sitting there thinking, whoa, I don't like this guy. But nonetheless, I'm here to do service. I, and, and, and the racist gentleman in the spirit world says something about Jewish people, Jewish, the Jewish family who lives next door to his grandson. Right. You may not want to relay it in the way that the, the racist gentleman in the spirit world has relayed it. But you still got to be of service to that person in the spirit world. As much yeah. as you may not like it, you can't sit there and say, I, um, tonight I only want um, blonde, 21-year-old, blue-eyed girls communicating who talk very pretty, please. We can't do that, otherwise we're limiting our mediumship. If we're going to be a medium, we have to be open to whoever it is who wishes to communicate. Right. Um, so you may say something like, your grandfather's talking about your neighbour and, and the challenges maybe he would have if he was still on the earth plane with that neighbour. Yes, it's not telling the full story, but I'm sure the, the, the recipient would know exactly what it is you are referring to. Yes. Very good point. Very good point, Phil. Very good Thank point. You, I want Thanks. to come back to something else there that you said there, which, which, which gives us something to think about where evidence is concerned. You spoke about the Cockney Barrow Boy. There's two yeah. things here. Uh, and one I completely disagree with. You hear some tutors of mediumship will tell their students you know go and educate yourself in different fields of, of education um which i agree with because the more you edu educated you are the more you're offering to the spirit world because the spirit world can only use what's in your mind yes i've never heard something so ridiculous in my life mm. yes i agree with the spirit world will use the information within your mind. But we're forgetting about what's in their mind. Mm -hmm. Here's an intelligent person from the spirit world. Are they not, are they not allowed to express their intelligence mm -hmm. that may not be within the medium's intelligence? That doesn't mean the medium can't relay it. Yes, you indeed. know, how, how many times have you spoke about something that you know nothing about? Just, mm -hmm. because, you know, um, you've heard you've heard your husband say because he's a mechanic uh, with the old Mark II Ford Escorts. There's a differential on the rear axle. You go, I ain't got a clue what he's talking about, yeah. but I can I can repeat those words though. Sure, I ain't got a clue what yeah. it means, but I can repeat it. So we can repeat what the spirit world tell us without it having knowledge of it. Mm. And let me give you an example here. I used to um, work in Iceland. Not the shop, the country. <laughs> uh, I used to work for four different centres in, in, in Iceland. A gorgeous, gorgeous country. I, I would recommend, um, uh, if you want to visit, go and visit. 
It's a very earthy country. Uh, and because of their Nordic uh, um, background, they very much embrace the afterlife because of their um, uh, Viking background. And as we know, Jack will tell you that true Vikings come from, um, from Iceland. He, he's not listening to me. <laughs> he's choosing to ignore that. He's from Denmark. <laughs> right. I was saying to him about Iceland. Um, I don't know any, any, we were talking, Lawrence and I were talking before you good people came on about, about accents, uh, I beg your pardon, about languages. Uh, I know no Icelandic at, uh, at all, other than tack, which, which a lot of non-English countries use as, as a thank you. Uh, Pals, which is uh, to have a break. Uh, and I think something like golden duck, which means good day. It means something like God of the day, some good, you know, good morning, <laughs> God of something like that. And I was doing a course, a weekend seminar on the senses. I'm sure you all know what the senses are. Clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, claircognosians, clairolifractions, clair... Oh, do you know, that's the first time I'm picking Ron Jordan's in. Ah, that's the first time I haven't got them all. Clairolifractions, I, I think. Anyway, the seeing, the smelling, the tasting, the hearing, the feeling, the knowing of the information that's coming from the spirit world. And I was doing a course on this and how it doesn't come from the spirit world, it comes from us. It's an extension of our own sensitivity. And I said to these students just before they did a, 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 an exercise, let me give you an example. And the exercise was they had to verbalize before each statement how they were perceiving what it was they were about to verbalize. So for example, I can see a man, I can hear he's Scottish that type of thing. So I said, I can, let me give you an example. I can see a lady, I can feel that she is grandmother to somebody here. I can see her, she's only a short lady, and I can hear um, a, a wheel going around, a buckled wheel, and it's going clunk, 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 clunk. Does anybody understand that? And he went, no idea. I said, that's okay, I'll go and have a look at what this wheel thing is and I said oh it's it's a spinning wheel and I drew it on the flip chart in the in the class I drew a spinning wheel believe me I know nothing about spinning wheels not my thing and I said oh uh she used to use a spinning wheel one of the students in the class said I might be able to take this Tim my grandmother uh inherited her father's sheep farm and also inherited the spinning wheel. And I know she used to use it. Wonderful, that sounds about right. And I said, um, your grandmother's got a gorgeous country accent. And she said, Tim, I've just told you she lived on a sheep farm. Of course she's got a country accent. I said, that's okay, I'll go listen to what she's saying. And she said an Icelandic word, which is not in my, in my consciousness. It's, it, I, I don't know it, I don't recognize it. Uh, and if you've been to Iceland, Iceland, you know that they talk very much from the back of the throat. <laughs> you think they're going to spit at you. And she said something like, <laughs> and so I simply repeated it. And all the students laughed. And I said, what are you laughing at? And they said, you see that drawing that you've done? I said, yeah. They said, you see that knobbly bit at the top? That is the name of that. Now, you have to think about that. And we come back to these tutors who say the spirit world can only give you what's in your mind, what's in your consciousness. She'd given me something there that was in her consciousness, yeah. in her intelligence, because she knows about spinning wheels, something I know absolutely nothing about. Not only did she not give me, give me, uh, give me a subject that I know nothing about, she gave me in a language I know nothing about. And I simply heard clairaudiently what she said and repeated it. Mm. Minutes before I'd drawn it, she inspired me to draw, to draw it on the flip chart. So we need to let go of this theory, the spirit world can only give you what's in your mind. Mm. We need to expand our mind with knowledge. It helps the spirit world, but let's not forget their intelligence. 
Thank you for your input, Phil. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Anybody else? No, no more, no more questions. You guys should be full of questions, even if it's questions that you think you know the answer to that may help other people. Let me come back to something else that Phil said, that Phil mentioned. I think um, we do have another question here from Angela Jordan. Were you waving or were you just oh, cleaning the screen? <laughs> uh, you need to unmute yourself, Ron. Hello, my friend. Good evening, Ron. Hi, mate. Yeah, I'm just really interested in, the, in your lecture talk. Um, but I always remember Gordon Higginson saying that uh, you shouldn't allow the spirit world to manipulate all your senses. I don't know what saying, but the thing with the the spinning wheel, um, the smell, the taste, the hearing, everything should be involved in good mediumship. But it's very difficult today. I mean, I've got quite a few students I teach online now um, where, where they don't seem to be able to get to grips with that, right? Because when they go and see mediums in churches and that, before the lockdown, obviously, the standard of mediumship is really quite poor, I think. Mm. And, and so, you can't really say to them anymore, there's a, you know, on two hands, probably, I could tell them which mediums to go and watch. But to go to a local church and watch some of the mediums is really poor beyond belief. Mm. Uh, and, and sadly, I agree with you, Ron. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't buy into this. The mediums of the past were better than the mediums of today. We no. got some outstanding mediums of today. Sadly, I agree with you. They're they're been on the ground, and I think it's because of lack of teaching. Uh, um, I think, um, and you know, I see two teachers before me. Your good self, and I've been taught by you in the past. Outstanding trance, trance medium, uh, and trance teacher of the trance craft, uh, and, and Jack, who, who who who's who's educating people as fast as he can in, in Denmark. And and I think, and we were saying this sadly, these uh, sec these medium secretaries of churches, they're under pressure to fill their diary. So they just take anybody who's willing to stand up on the platform and talk, uh, which of course um, devalues the, the clarity and the quality of, of, of mediumship. I think, I think um, for me, uh, and I was very lucky and I know you knew her very well, Ron, uh, that I was taught by uh, uh, partly uh, a Swami who yeah. used to uh, go to the Arthur Finley College. And she yeah. would swear by meditation and different types of meditation. Yeah. So there are different types of meditation. Those of you who are teachers, you must encourage your students to look at different types of meditation, depending on their needs within their mediumship. And I will come to, to, to Ron's point there in a moment. You have meditation, you have relaxation, you have inspiration, you have visualization. And visualization is very, very similar to a meditation, but the focus is on encouraging the student to use their senses. For yeah. example, and the classical, classical one, of course, is you're in a meditation, the teacher's directing them, you're walking down a country lane, there's a tree, it's an apple tree, you pick the apple, feel the apple, you're activating your clairsentience, you, you, you taste the apple, you're activating your clair alifactions, I think that's the right one. Uh, you can hear the birds singing in the trees. You're activating your clair audience. You can see the tractor in the field. You're activating your clair, clair um, voice. Uh, if you can achieve it in meditation, and I'm not sure if what we experience in meditation, and I don't know how you feel about this one, but I don't know how what we experience in meditation is actually the senses, but I think it's something akin to the senses. Uh, it's the same mechanics, but it also, from a psychological point of view, if you have the experience of seeing the tractor and hearing the engine of the tractor, it almost fills you with the confidence that, oh, if I could see it and hear it in, the, in my meditation, I'm going to be able to see it in my mediumship. 
Because the moment you say, I can't hear the spirit world, I'm telling you now, you won't. Because mentally, you're telling yourself you can't. Remember, it's mental mediumship. So for me, I think uh, the, the encouragement of working with the senses is vital. I agree, I agree with, with Ron that the senses are not mediumship. It's a psychic faculty is the senses. But they are, they are and I'll tell you how you can liken it. If you think of a carpenter, a carpenter has a toolbox. And there'll be a hammer in the toolbox. There'll be a screwdriver. There'll be a saw. The tools in the toolbox is not carpentry. But if the carpenter uses the tools correctly, same with mediums, if they use the senses correctly in a most natural, spiritual way, but if we maximize our relationship with the senses, like, like a carpenter maximizes his relationship with his tools and his toolbox, the quality of his carpentry steps up a gear. The quality of your mediumship will step up a gear. We all have access, access to all six of the senses. But I hear, and, and, I, and I'm talking about advanced students as well. I hear advanced students saying, oh, I never see the spirit world. And I say, but then, but then that's your choice. That's right. No, no I, I, no, I want to. But no, you can't want to because you've just reinforced it by saying, I never see the spirit world. Stop saying that. Stop doing that to yourself. Psychologically, you're empowering the fact that you don't see the spirit world. Stop doing that to yourself. So we have to train our mind. We're talking about mental mediumship here. Mm. Think about think about clairaudience. And um, uh, I remember doing a demonstration at the Arthur Finley College. And um, I'm always, always pushing my, 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 my facts. And uh, I've given somebody a, a father and I said, oh, and he's telling me his name is, and I can't remember, let's say it was Joe. He's telling me his name's Joe. And I said out loud, I, I was thinking it, but I said it out loud. In the sanctuary at the Arthur Finley College, full, well, that's not good enough. I want your surname as well. And I heard a surname. Again, I don't know what it was. Let's say it was Clark. Clark. I said, oh, your father's name's Joe Clark. And the, and the guy said, yes, it is. Think of it from father's point of view. It's not hard for father to give his first and surname. Every one of you in this meeting this evening know your full name. It's not hard. It's not rocket science for you to give me your full name. The challenge comes as mediums if we are open enough, if we surrender enough to the company of spirit to accept that full name that makes that information, turns the information into evidence. Coming back to what Ron was saying, again, being aware of that name could, excuse me, clear audience, hearing the spiritual energy. Absolutely. Well done. Yeah. One, I and I, I, but I think if we come back to your statement about, I think there's lots of information in churches not a lot of evidence. Yeah, that's um, but I think the, the the responsibility doesn't lie. It does partly, but it, we don't. We can't put all the responsibility on the shoulders of the medium. It's the tutors. You know, uh, um, you know that my mentor was Glee. Yeah. If I got it wrong, he would kick my ass as hard as hard as he could. You know, he would jump down my throat. He would tell me when I've got it right. He would tell me when I've got it wrong. He would tell me when, it, when, when I was right to work publicly and when I wasn't, when I needed to go back and do some more training, when I was, when I was ready to go public. The tutor has a responsibility to the student to, to, to let them know, hey, I need to take you out now, maybe as a fledgling, maybe sharing the platform with me because you're beginning to get to that point. And sadly, as we know, we're seeing in our churches that's not the case. I, I don't put that blame always at the door of the, of the, of the medium. I do put it at, at I, I, think, I think, you know, you mentioned uh, Gordon Higginson. If we go back to his era, and I'm, and I'm happy that I was taught by people like Glenn. If we go back to that era, the teachers that we had then, and their understanding of, of in this case, evidence, is not necessarily, and I'm not, I'm not here to down any teacher, everybody's doing a good job or the best job they can. 
but maybe the clarity of teaching isn't there so much, you know. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the student is being taught both by the tutor and the and the spirit world. But you know, is there a case where the student can be limited by what by the limitations of the tutor? You know, that's totally, another discussion. Totally agree. Totally agree. The, the, you know, I met Glyn when I was a very young man, and uh, I work I worked solely clairsentiently, um, just sensing what was going on. And it was Glenn that said to me, you're a lazy medium. And I went, what are you talking about? And he said, you've become complacent with how you work. Absolutely. Right? And he said, if you take the time and follow what I show you, he said, you will you'll become clairaudient and clairvoyant within a very short period of time. And I did. But if I hadn't have met him or hadn't have gone to Stansted at that time, um, when he invited me there, I would never uh, have changed the way I worked. Yeah. I just got complacent. And it's very simplistic how to embrace them. And it's simply called acceptance. Yeah. Acceptance. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to come back to something that Phil said, uh, which is interesting, about the Cockney. He was speaking about the Cockney and, 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 the, and, the, and, the, and the rosy language. Um, you know, evidence will gain or lose. How are we doing, Lawrence? We okay for time? Yep, we are fine with time. There is somebody who's got their hand up as well for another question. When you okay, get I will come to them. I'll just make this point and then we'll come to them. Lovely. Your evidence will gain in value or lose value. And I will need you to think about this, depending on the location where you are and where you give the, give the information. Mm. Let me give you an example. Um, I, I, I had the honor of working for the, uh, the Norwegian Spiritualist Union. It's, if you like, the SNU version in Norway. And uh, I, I, I worked for the organization there once a year. Sadly, I won't be going this year because I think I'm due to be there in two weeks' time. It ain't going to happen, is it? And that's, that's not me predicting. It's not evidence. It's just, it's called Corona. Um, uh, but I, I did a demonstration. Whenever I go there, you get off the plane. People like Jack and Ron will know this one. You get off the plane. Within about three hours, you're doing a demonstration or a sitting. Uh, and when I go to, uh, uh, to, to Norway, it's always I'm doing a demonstration. And um, on the way back, it was about an hour's drive to this location where I was doing a demonstration. On the way back, Andre, the person who was hosting me, said, that was a lovely demonstration, Tim. Were you happy with it? I said, yeah, actually, I was really happy with a really simplistic bit of evidence. And he said, oh, what was that? I said, that farmer, that father that I got, I think it was about the third message. He was a farmer. And he said, oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, I said, I'll tell you what I was happy with when he showed me his red barn. I said, I know that sounds crazy, a red barn, but, but you just don't see them in England. So I said, I thought it was really good evidence. And he started laughing. I said, what's the matter? He said, Every barn, every farmer's barn in Norway is red. I thought that was very good evidence, but because I was in Norway and I gave a red barn, it had very little value. If mm. I'd have given the same bit of evidence in England, that would have had good value. Let me, let me, let me share a scenario with you about our Cockney man. So, Let's assume I'm, I'm demonstrating in, in the East End of London and I, I have a Cockney King. If you all know what Cockney Kings and Queens are, the pearly Kings and Queens with the, with the buttons on their suits. Uh, I've got a Cockney King and he tells me he's granddad and I give it off and somebody says, yes, I can take that. That's probably a, a, a nine out of 10. It's not a 10 out of 10 because of where I've given it in the East End of London. There's loads of Cockney Kings in, in the East End of London. Let's assume years before that Cockney King said, oh, I'm tired of London. I'm taking all of my family and I'm emigrating to Denmark. And I'm over there working for Jack and I'm doing a demonstration in Copenhagen. And I say, ladies and gentlemen, I've got a Cockney King with me here. And someone, and I know he's somebody's grandfather. And somebody in the congregation says, yes, I can take that. We emigrated from England. That's a 10 out of 10. 
the same evidence, different location. Yeah. Does that make sense to everybody? Put your thumb up if it does. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll tell you where you'll get it a lot. You'll get it a lot with food. Where you have grandmother who emigrated, but she brings her style of cooking from, from Germany to England, from, from, from Russia to, to Australia. And, the, and, and you say, your grandmother's cooking this meal. You're standing in the middle of, in, in the middle of um, England and you're talking about a Danish, typical Danish meal. That's quality evidence. Mm. It's very easy to stand in, York, in, in Yorkshire and say, oh, your father loved Yorkshire puddings, didn't he? You know, <laughs> you know, you know that's, that's a two out of 10. Mm. But if you, if, you stood in, if you stood in Denmark and said that, I can see your grandfather's favorite meal is a Yorkshire pudding. And the client says, most definitely, that's a 10 out of 10. Mm. And the only thing that's changed is the location where you gave it. Yes, true. Something for you to think about. Um, Lawrence, I, I believe somebody had their hand up. They do indeed. Emily, if you could unmute, please, my darling. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi, yeah. You're right, Tim. Um, I was just. I, am, I can't see you. You're in the dark, my love, but never mind. Yeah, sorry. I'm just couching out, budging out on the sofa. <laughs> You're allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah, just relaxing. It's been an intense day. But um, basically, um, it's more to do with like entry requirements and things to your courses and stuff. I don't know if that's relevant right now. Um, I mean, I'm not here to promote myself, but that's very kind of you, my love. Um, I, I am known as, and I, and I will be honest with you, there are those teachers out there who are um, bullies, and I don't believe in bullying, mm -hmm. but I do, but I am known as a pushy me. When I was a course organizer at the college, everybody used to say, oh my God, I don't want to be in Tim's class. I don't want to be in Tim's class. <laughs> and I tell you, and I tell you why, is because I made them come up with the goods. But at the end of the week, they'd say, oh, I'm really glad I was in Tim's class. Mm. Um, uh, and, what, and I think what people fear from my style of teaching is my pushy approach. It's not, I'm very, I'm, I, I believe I'm very supportive, but, but out of respect to the spirit world and, and, and the student who's paying me my wages, mm -hmm. I like to get the best out of the, out of the student's uh, mediumship. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, so... Sorry, carry on. Sorry to interrupt. I was just wondering if it'd be better to ask you this in like a personal message or something. Um, that might be good. Yeah, you can, yeah. You can email me, tim at timabbott.net. I'm, I'm normally known for teaching um, intermediate to advanced. Uh, you mm -hmm. don't have to tell me where you're at right now. We can talk mm -hmm. about that later. But I wow. do do, I don't do one-to-one -one teaching. I don't believe in it. I know some teachers do. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to do like group work. Um but uh, yeah, yeah. Talk, talk. E email me, and we'll talk. Okay, it's just very interesting because the stuff you've mentioned this evening, I've not really heard of much of that, so it's quite interesting, really. Oh, that's because I'm a weirdo, you see. <laughs> me too. <laughs> do you know what it? Do you know what it is, though, Emily? But when you, I bet when you listen to me, you say, "Well, that's logic," or oh, "That makes mm. sense." Mm. Definitely. Um, yeah. And and I think we have to. Uh, and again, out of respect, uh, you know, again, I've got two teachers here who've joined us this evening who I've got a lot of respect for, mm -hmm. Ron and, and, and Jack there from Denmark. Um, we always, we'll always be students of mediumship. No matter what, what level you're on, you'll always be students. Mm. But there has to come a time, and you always need somebody, again, like Jack or Ron, to inspire you. But there mm -hmm. has to come a time when you have to start inspiring yourself. Mm. And, um, uh, and again, I'm sure Ron knows this church. And I was talking to Lawrence about this story earlier. Um, I used to uh, do weekends at a church called Hampton Hill, which is in London. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, a gentleman called My uh, Martin Quytroff, I think that's his name, runs the education there now. Uh, don't know that much about him, but I used to stay at his house, do a weekend once or twice a year for them. Mm -hmm. And a couple of times I gave telephone numbers. So I'd be in the middle of a demonstration. I need you to think about this. 
I'll be in the middle of a demonstration. So I'd say something like, well, I've got somebody's father with me here. Um, I, I know he died of a heart attack. I, I, I'm, I'm looking out of the window here and I know it's winter when he dies, it's nighttime. And uh, as I look at your father, he looks about uh, 70. He's at home in his bed. Uh, now who can take that? And somebody's like, yeah, I can take that. And, and as I work with your father, oh, he's, I know he's telling me, you can take the telephone number. Three nine seven two six one seven, and the client says, "Blimey, yes, I can." Is that evidence? Yeah, definitely. No, don't shoot yourself in the foot. <laughs> How is that evidence? Um, I feel it's a personal. Bit, bit, let me just say this. Let me just say mm. this. The bit about the father was evidence. The bit about the telephone number, if it was a telephone number, is just numbers. Mm. If I Is say it, to you, your father's telling me you can take 3971626 and it's your brother John's telephone number, then it becomes evidence because mm. it's an expression of the father's intelligence. Okay. What I realized I was doing, and they started calling me the telephone medium. <laughs> and, and, and initially my ego went, oh yes, the telephone medium. What a <laughs> wonderful title to have. But I realized that I was just giving off uh, a syntax of numbers, mm. uh, a, a, a list of numbers uh, that could have meant anything. I wasn't giving the reason why the father was giving me it um, or, or, or what it related to that, that would have turned it from information into evidence. Mm -hmm. So I had the intention. This is where we come back to inspiring yourself. The next time I go to Hampton Hill Spirit, I want a telephone number again, but I want something to support the telephone number. So if you like, another way that you can look at evidence is information. For example, I have a father with me here. That's not evidence. Mm -hmm. That's not evidence. Supported by a piece of information that relates to it. And he's telling me his name is John supported by a piece of information that's related to that. And he had a heart attack, uh, supported by a piece of information that is that uh, at night time, and I know he's in his own bed here at home, that whole story becomes evidence. Mm -hmm. But if you, take, if, you, if you take any of them, isolate any of them, it's just information. Okay. So the next time I came there, look, this, is my, this was my intention. And I'm not saying, oh, look, Tim, what wonderful what wonderful medium. We can all do it if you have the correct intention. You send out the thoughts to the spirit world, surrender to the spirit world in the moment, and it will happen through your craft of mediumship. Mm. So I said, um, I have a gentleman with me here, a young guy in his 40s, who's telling me his name is John, and he's a mechanic, and I, he wants to talk to his friend. And there was a husband and wife about halfway down the church, and the husband said, I've got a mate called John in the spirit world who was a mechanic. And I said, um, I, I spoke about his passing, I think. And I said, oh, he's giving me a telephone number. Uh, and I rattled off the tele telephone number. And I said, oh. and what he's telling me is that is the telephone number of his works, his, his garage. And that's where you first met him. And, that, and as I'm saying this, and the guy is saying, yeah, that was where I first met him. I took my car in to be fixed. The wife's going through her mobile phone. Mm. And she went, there it is. It's the garage telephone number. Mm. I'm not saying, oh, that's great. That's great evidence. Because the guy in the spirit world, John, knows what his old works telephone number was. It's not hard <laughs> for him to give it to me. It's not hard. We all know our own telephone numbers. We know where we live, our addresses, things like that. Um, um, but I had the intention not to just give some random numbers but to give some supporting evidence that supported that telephone number. And this is the telephone number of his garage where you first met him. And it turned, in that moment, that turned that telephone number into evidence because it was supported by factual evidence. Uh, on its own, it's just some random numbers, just mm -hmm. some random numbers. I hope mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, thank you, it's helped a lot. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I, see, I see mediums looking at other mediums. 
uh, lately I've been I've been studying the psychology within mediumship, and I encourage you all to Google uh, a psychology syndrome called uh, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. It's about how thoughts can affect your work. In our case, our mediumship. Uh, and there's different thought patterns that they say people go through in the workplace. And it so relates to mediumship, it really does. I do do a lecture on it, but that's for, that's for another time. And um, uh, I've lost my train of thought now. What was I talking about? You're talking about the psychology where the is it imposter or hospital? Imposter syndrome. Imposter that's quite syndrome. Right. I don't know why I was talking about it though, Lawrence. I'm getting, I am getting old. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think you're linking in on that energy of uh, we deny sort of like the spirit, the intelligence, you know, and am I getting this right? Keep talking. Do you I get talking, come back to me. <laughs> oh, good. You're not, you're not right at the moment, but you're getting there. Okay. My finding is we tend to think of spirit a bit like a balloon on a string, you know, and not immerse ourselves in that character, that personality, because our whole purpose is to prove that they are alive now, here. Absolutely. And bringing that in. And we, we stop ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I forgot the point I was going to make, but it does matter. It has led me on to something else. Oh, Let me give right. you an exercise that will really highlight, uh, because Lawrence is talking about the personality of the individual there on the spirit side of life, an exercise you guys can do in your groups. Just give me a moment, because my dog is Jeanette. Jeanette, no. just give me one second. Right, this is where I sing, let's all go to the lobby. <laughs> The dog, the dog wants to go to the wing. You know, I did tell you, mediumship is about life. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Let me give you an exercise that you can do either with your students or, or, or as a student in your group that really highlights the difference in personality between your good self and the communicating spirit. Uh, give, give, a, give a sitting to somebody or a demonstration, whatever you're comfortable with. But when you come to the message part, of the demonstration or sitting, uh, don't give a message. I want you to turn it into philosophy. Now, um, what, what, and what defines what subject matter you're gonna talk about, have a think about the evidence that you've given so far and just pick one of the pieces of evidence that you've given in the demonstration. That will be inspired by the communicator because you're still in the communicator's company. That blending is still there. And let's say it was, it's an orchard. Granddad's talking about his farm and his orchard. So you talk about an apple tree and, and the seeds. But what I want you to do when you, when you come to that point of the message where you're going to give philosophy on a piece of evidence you've given as a subject matter, I want you to ask the communicator to step away. Not to go back to the spirit world, but just to step away. And you give your philosophy in this case, on an apple tree, for maybe about two or three minutes, your philosophy. And then you stop and give a moment while you allow the communicator to come back and invite them to give their philosophy on an apple tree and feel the difference in the energy, the different philosophy, the different words that are used, and both you and your client then discuss it afterwards. And the difference is so apparent, so apparent. And, and Lawrence is so right that one of the things, and, and it's spiritual evidence, of course, one of the things we have to really allow to be expressed is that personality of the grandfather, of the mother. Again, they're not one dimensional. I know we're beginning to run out of time here and it's a shame because we could go on all night. Uh, but I do hope that I've um, inspired you with different ideas and maybe a different outlook on evidence and some ideas that you can take back to your groups. You know, it's about bringing depth and clarity into your mediumship. One of my favorite, the name of, of my course when I was a teacher at the college was called Mediumship Raising the Standards. 
and we really need to be doing this in this country. You know, if you go back 20, 30 years, we were the leading country where mediumship is concerned. Everybody looked to England. They're not doing that so much these days. We have to ask ourselves why. One of the reasons will be because of the lack of evidence. We are all capable of having it, but first we have to train ourselves to be accepting of that evidence and surrender to the company of the spirit. So I thank you very much for your input. Thank you very much for listening. And I hand us back over to Lawrence. Thank you, Tim. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, I've just cheated. Imposter syndrome can be defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. Imposters suffered from chronic self-doubt and a sense of intellectual fraudulence. Does that help? <laughs> yeah, oh, I've studied it, mate. Yeah, yeah. All yeah, oh, right, no, you were going to talk about it. it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tim? There, there's, there, there's six different sections. One of them is, uh, I don't think I'm good enough. Another one is, you want to be a perfectionist. Another one is, you always put off. How many of you put off? How many of you say, I don't get names in my mediumship. I'm going to start working on that tomorrow. Sadly, tomorrow never comes. Yeah, tomorrow so never true. comes. So mm. true. Very true. Tim? absolutely amazing evening thank you thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and giving your time um please do i always tend to repost uh people's um, posts about any courses coming up so if you have got any these will be reposted onto the church page uh, we've got to have this cooperation now and support each other so look out for that absolutely wonderful evening thank you all for joining um it's the first time i've had two pages on zoom i was like oh my god what do i do <laughs> thank you to the lovely jack and lola